Well, hello, teachers, and welcome back to our final podcast episode in August. It's a long mm-hmm. month this mm-hmm. August, huh? It is. Five <laughs> Tuesdays. Five Tuesdays. Five episodes. Love it. So this month, we talked about actually a wide array of things. If you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to them, definitely start with episode 136. It's 22 questions to ask yourself to thrive this school year. Still the start of the school year, not too late to go listen to that. Highly suggest you listen. If you haven't, it is foundational to having a great year, to being able to thrive as a teacher, both inside your classroom and as a person, a human being outside of your classroom, with your family, with your friends, with people you love. And we also talked about re-engaging your students in episode 137, uh, a great first day of school activity that you could use in September, anytime, October, yeah. whenever. Uh, that was episode 138, Jessica's like favorite thing in the entire world. <laughs> and then last week in episode 139, we talked about my favorite thing, which is very, I feel like apropos to my personality is having (laughs) a classroom management system as type a uptight person. I love the classroom management system that I shared last week on the podcast. Um, so make sure that you go back and listen to those. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, please click subscribe wherever you are watching. All right, let's dive into today's episode. What are we doing? Jess? We are going to give you some tangible ideas that you can use to get a grasp on your grading, because we know we hear from so many teachers like, gosh, as ELA teachers, it's constant, right? I have five different classes and 30 students in each class and all these essays to grade and no other teacher has to do this, right? The math Mm -hmm. teacher just gets to use the Scantron. How come (laughs) I have to spend so much time grading? What can I do about it? And we're always getting asked, like, what do you girls do? What are your tips? So today we're sharing them with you. So true. And especially with writing, you know, because we want to get our writing back to our students right away. We want to give them meaningful feedback because if we wait two months to give them a paper, it is literally meaningless to them. Well, and by that point, you've already assigned another paper and you have to grade (laughs) those. And it's just like the cycle continues. Becomes a disaster. Yes. Yes. We don't want that for you. We want you to be able to, again, our whole motto, be, do, thrive. We want you to thrive as a teacher. So we've got to get a grasp on our grading. Mm-hmm. All so right, the so first three tips, are you yep. ready? You wanted to give us the first one? Yeah. The first tip, I actually love this tip because I so clearly remember when I had my very first year of teaching, my principal said this to me and I will never forget it. Like she was a, a good principal, not my best, but this tip was game changing. And she said, Jessica, I want you to know this now. Don't grade everything. And I'm sure she saw me going to my car at the end of the day with my teacher bag full of papers. And she knew what I was going to be doing that night or that weekend. And she just said, don't do it. That's my experience. That's what I learned. I'm passing it on to you. And I took those words and I really did take it to heart and I stopped grading everything. Mm -hmm. It's not helpful for our students. It's not helpful for us, right? I need to think to myself, what is the purpose of my activity? Why am I doing it? And if it doesn't necessitate an assessment grade, then I don't need to spend the time grading it, or I can get creative with it, right? Maybe instead of discussion questions, my students are going to have a Socratic seminar or a small group discussion, and I can quickly and informally assess them on their speaking and listening skills and not their written responses. Yeah. So if we think to ourselves, I don't have to grade everything. If we give ourselves that permission, we really start to look at our activities that we're giving students or our lessons through a different lens and say, okay, what's the purpose? Is it an assessment? Do I need to grade it? Yep. Yep. I think that's so important is asking like, like, why, what is my intention questioning? You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know if you were taught this in high school, but one of my favorite teachers, gosh, can't remember what class it was. Um, but it was just like, question everything, Mm -hmm. like question why we do 
everything. And so if we kind of bring that to this, it's like, and I think specifically about grading vocabulary workbooks, (laughs) why am I sitting here grading vocabulary workbooks? Why am I even doing that? Is that like, because my students sat on the phone together the night before and filled it in by looking (laughs) things up online. What am I assessing? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I, yeah, that brings back bad memories. So just things like that. Like, why are we grading what we're grading? What is the purpose? Um, and you know, with not grading everything, like you can even think about that in terms of, you know, we can talk about this in the next one, in the next point, but like grading essays, maybe we're not grading the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're just grading for justification. Cause that's what our students are really, really focused on. Yep that particular piece. And we tell them that beforehand, Hey, you're going to be assessed specifically on this. this is where I'm going to put the most weight or whatever it is. It's being intentional with every decision that we make so that we make decisions that make a difference. And we're not just doing things flippantly with no purpose. And I think we most see this, Kaylin, I'm sure you're going to agree with me here from our teachers when they say, well, what about bell ringers? Yeah. Do you grade every single day? Like that will take up so much time. And we always tell them, no, Pick a day a week and grade that particular one or whatever works for your schedule. But absolutely not. Check to see that students did the bell ringer work, but don't grade every single one. That's yeah. not helpful for anyone. And I just gave my students a complete, not yep. complete participation grade. Mm-hmm. You know, and cause that's the thing, like the bell ringer, like, and that again, what's the purpose? The purpose yeah. of the bell ringer is to have a great, you know, way to come into your classroom but also to have students spiral review stuff. So they're not necessarily, we're not assessing them. We're Mm -hmm. just having them review these skills in a quick little simple way. And you know, why am I going to grade every single thing that they're doing? If that's not my overall purpose is to assess them on the skill. My overall purpose is to give them another exposure to the school skill, another opportunity to practice with this skill. But yes. So I give no complete participation, (laughs) like nominal toward their overall grade. Yeah. Yeah. Not necessary. Okay. Cool. Tip number two for getting a grasp on your grading. This one has to do a lot more with writing, but Caitlin and I are strong believers in using a rubric. Yes. But not just any rubric, like a good rubric. Okay. So what is a good rubric? Like how would you define that? Cause I know you and I have very strong opinions on this. Yes. That's a great question. So I love, well, I'll tell you a backstory. And I think I talked about this in July in our podcast episodes about writing. So I used to use a rubric, my first few years of teaching that said topic sentence, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. And I like picked. And then I had to say why I chose that, that number. I'm like seven, because it's okay. I guess like there was no direction for me mm-hmm. as a teacher grading that. And I even remember using a, a online website, Rubistar is, do you, do you Oh my that? gosh. I totally remember that. <laughs> do teachers still use that? I don't know. I, I don't know. Either. I haven't used you guys. it in a long time. Um, but I feel like we got that from LMU from Loyola yeah. Marymount from our, oh, yeah our university program. Um, but anyways, and like, it kind of gave me a good idea of how a rubric should be structured, but it did give me like the language that I needed. Mm -hmm. So basically a good rubric is you're going to break down all of the areas that you want to assess your students and then put them into categories of like one through five from, you know, inadequate all the way up to mastery essentially. And basically talking about writing specifically, I'm going to put an introduction and my claim in like that first box. And I'm going to use 
like true language of exactly what is included or exactly what is missing or exactly what needs to be included to get that particular grade for that particular spot. So for example, if we're looking at the introduction and the claim as one thing that we're grading on a scale of one to five in the one box where they're going to get one point out of five for introduction, introduction and claim, it's going to say incomplete introduction, missing a tag, partial summary, missing a clear claim. And so then I can circle my student. I can just circle the box, right? What you're missing. missing or underline missing claim. And if I, if it's like in between, let's say it's like on the verge of between a one and a two, I can circle some stuff in the one and some stuff in the two and give them a 1.5. Mm-hmm. And there I've clearly told them you're missing a claim, which is why I'm circling the one. You do have a pretty good summary. That's why I circled that part in the two. And that's why you got a 1.5 on this particular. So I literally don't have to write anything. I am circling something that is clearly communicating exactly why they got the grade they did for that part. So you're getting a grasp on your grading because you are saving time. You know exactly what you're looking for. And it's not like this ambiguous Mm -hmm. decision. You're just like, no, it's a very clear, you got a two. And this is the reason why. Yes. Yeah. And what's really cool with that is students can grade themselves that Mm -hmm. way because they know exactly what needs to be included, but also I could grade them and not give them any feedback and they can then figure out where, why they got the grade that they did. Right. It's actually really interesting. Um, so, so yeah, I love that one. So I'm thinking Caitlin, a pro tip for using rubrics, right? And I'm sure a lot of teachers are already doing this, but always show your rubrics to students before the assignment, right? Like that's, I I feel like a given, right? Students need to know the expectations. It's just going to help them perform better, make your grading life easier. But here's the real pro tip. If you teach with a friend like Caitlin and I were so fortunate to teach together, right? She used this writing rubric with her seventh and eighth graders. And I, as the fifth grade teacher, took her rubric, (laughs) made the language easier and used it with my fifth graders. Well, what did that do? Right. First, it set the expectations high for my fifth graders. But then when they went into her class, they were like, oh, I already have been doing this. And they rose to the occasion with her. And it was just this seamless transition. So if you're able to do that with other teachers at your school and use common writing rubrics, oh my goodness, it makes the world of difference. Yes. A hundred percent. That is an excellent point. I love that. Why? Thank you. And then (laughs) that brings us to our final tip, right? So that you can get a grasp on your grading. And this one, it's a little more complex, but we'll start out with the easy part. And it's grade during your prep period, (laughs) right? Stop planning then and use that time for grading. And I'm sure a lot of you who hear that are saying, well, nice. I don't have a prep period, right? I don't have the luxury of that. Yeah. That's brutal. It's brutal. And we get that. So what can you do? But we need to find time to dedicate solely to grading. Yes. And in order to do that, this is where it gets a little more complex. Caitlin and I firmly believe in batch planning your lessons so that you're not lesson planning every single week and you can free up some time to grade. Right. Exactly. Do you want to speak into that a little bit yeah, more? Because basically, if you think about it, if you are planning on a day-to-day or a week-to-week basis, how much time after school are you spending planning? Right. You know, my first right. few years, I was there until five, six mm-hmm. o'clock at night, coached basketball, then go, you know, whatever, all the, the whole nine yards. And so if I had planned, batch planned in advance, and I wasn't spending that time after school planning, 
Well, I could spend that time after school grading instead. You know, let's say my school ends at three and I was there until five. Well, I have two hours that I just freed up after school every single day because I batch planned grading is not going to take me two hours every single day after school. If and I'm why using is it not of- going to take you two because hours? Because I'm using those other two tips. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. And then you're not bringing your teacher bag home on the weekends and it just sits in the corner and stares at you. Sunday night rolls around and you're like, okay, am I going to do this or am I not going to do this? <laughs> right. And then That's the essays pile up and four weeks go by and you're like, sorry, students, I'm almost finished. I have like two left to grade when really you have 135 left to grade, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, you lied to your students. Oh my gosh. No, I'm, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I know you, I do not lie. I can't. That's one of my things. I cannot lie about (laughs) anything. If someone asks me an opinion on something, I'm like, do you want the truth? Because you shouldn't ask me if you don't. (laughs) Well, I like that. So Caitlin, tell me the truth. Like, what am I doing wrong with my grading? What do I need to do to just like make this a better year for grading? Well, I think that you just need to be the one who's in control. You know, like you have to take back control of what's happening to you. We are the creators of our own destiny. So if grading is taking you all of your time and it's stressing you out, you actually have to do something different in order to see a different result. And that's number one, not grading everything. Number two, using a rubric that works well. And number three, you have to batch plan and stop working planning on a day-to-day basis till five and six o'clock at night, finish up school at three tell anyone to get out of your room in your classroom, grade for 30 minutes every day. And that's it. Like you shouldn't be spending more time than that doing these, you know, little tasks for grading because you now have a clear reason why you are grading everything that you're grading because you are intentional with what you're doing. Boom. Love it. We hope you took that to heart teachers make this the year that you stop being bogged down by grading. It does not have to be that way. Um, we're speaking from experience. This is exactly what we did 100%. in the classroom. Yeah, 100%. All right, you guys, thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of Get a Grasp on Your Grading with these three quick ideas. If you use them, make sure that you let us know on Facebook and our Facebook group if you're an EB teacher or on our Instagram at EB Academics. We would love to hear from you. And with that being said, we're wrapping up August and moving into September next week. I love it. Think about? In fall, can I just say like fall is the best? I'm so excited. I so know you love it. I'll I hate you fall. soon, you guys. <laughs> Fall is my least favorite. Oh, I'm going to convince her. (laughs) We'll get her on like the pumpkin spice. I don't know. Hot chocolate train. I don't like (laughs) Halloween. I don't like. Oh my goodness. I don't. I'm not a huge Thanksgiving fan. I just, I know know. summer is my season. I love the heat. I love August. Love it. Okay. (laughs) On that note, (laughs) on that note, thanks so much. You guys for joining us. Have a wonderful rest of your week and we'll see you next week on the podcast. Bye Bye everyone.